Well, good morning, Baseline. Before we get to the sermon, I wanted to highlight a really fun event that is on the horizon for our church. I think especially in this season that we're in, it's really important that we find some ways to have some fun together and enjoy one another. And uh, Sonia and her team have come up with a really great way for us to do that, and that is a church-wide talent show that is getting organized and will take place later this month. An email is going to go out um, on Monday with more details and specifics. But just to paint the picture, uh, over the next two weeks, we want to invite you to film yourself on video doing a talent. It could be any talent that you would want. And because we're doing it on video, I think that sort of creates a wide range of opportunities of the kinds of things that you could do. And then we're going to collect all those videos and kind of stream them together. And um, on a night together, we're going to uh, premiere it on YouTube like we do with our digital services so you can watch it from home and enjoy it. And we're also going to um, have a live Zoom call for anyone who wants to watch the video together and enjoy the talent show um, together live on Zoom. So that's going to be a really great opportunity for us as a church to hang out, have fun, and uh, appreciate the various talents that are present in our bodies. So look for that email with more details. Well, uh, this week as I was preparing this sermon, I came across a little fun kind of fact, I guess you could call it, that I want to share with you. There's a little town um, about halfway between San Antonio and Austin called Green, Texas. And whoever was on the Chamber of Commerce at the time when they came up with this clearly had a sense of humor because the town has an unofficial motto that's displayed on a sign as you enter the town. And it says this, Green, Texas, gently resisting change since 1872. That motto, I think, could actually describe some churches today. There's something to be said for tradition, of course, for learning from the wisdom of those who have gone before us and really holding on to best practices that have stood the test of time. But at the same time, we must recognize that where the Holy Spirit is present, we should expect change. The Holy Spirit is alive and moves and brings movement and direction. Listen to how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit in John chapter 3. He describes it as a wind that blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So where the Holy Spirit is present, we know there's going to be change. So I wonder, what kind of church is baseline? What is our motto. Now, I don't know if I know the answer to that question, but I do know this. We are a church made up of people, and most people have a hard time with change. Change management experts teach us that what's so hard about change is not actually the change itself, but the transition that we have to go through as a result of the change. Because change is external, and it often happens quickly. And boy, did we experience that this spring when, when COVID hit. I mean, the level of change that was hitting us um, at such a rapid pace. That's, that's what happens with change. But it's the transition 
that internal process that we have to go through to adjust to the change that happens much more slowly and is much more difficult. And that's because there are three stages in transition that we have to go through before we've really kind of completed that transition and move through um, to the other side. So the first stage is just letting go. It's saying goodbye to what was. And there's grieving and um, kind of a releasing that we have to go through with that. And uh, the final stage is embracing the new beginning. And that can be exciting when we finally kind of see what the new thing is that, um, that is coming. But it's that stage in between. It's that second stage that's the toughest. And it's often referred to as the neutral zone. It's that space where you've had to let go of what you knew, what life was like, and yet you can't yet see and know what the new thing is going to be. And you're kind of stuck in that no man's land in the middle. It's the land in between, the land of the unknown. It's a land full of dissonance, of tension, um, of disorientation, um, Feelings of like, this doesn't feel good or feel right. There's a, just a wonderful example in scripture that I know you're all familiar with of, of what I'm talking about here. And that is the Exodus. Right? The people of God in slavery in Egypt. And God says, I'm going to deliver you to a promised land that is flowing with milk and honey. And so they have to let go and say goodbye to Egypt but the promised land, they don't take one foot step out of Egypt and step right into the promised land. Right? There's a whole journey they have to go through through the wilderness before they can experience the new thing that God is doing. And it's that wilderness journey that is the neutral zone. It's that second stage that is so difficult for us. And the temptation that faces all of us when we're in that neutral zone is to want to go back to what's known. You see this in the Exodus story. As terrible as their lives were in slavery in Egypt, when things get hard in the wilderness, they begin to complain and cry out and say, if only we could go back to Egypt. Because the neutral zone, the wilderness, is such a vulnerable place. It's such a place of uncertainty. And as human beings, we don't like it. As I was thinking about this this week, uh, what came to mind is um, watching my kids learn how to swim. Uh, that was a value for us. We wanted uh, all three of our kids to learn that skill of swimming. And uh, Claremont, uh, the city of Claremont Recreation Department had a great program where you could sign up for swim lessons. And so we did that with all three of our kids when they were little. And um, they would always start by kind of holding onto the side of the pool and they were fine doing that. And they put their face in the water and they'd practice kicking and blow bubbles and do all those fun things. And that part was great. But there always came a moment in the lessons where it was time to let go of the edge of the pool and be released into those sort of uncharted waters where they couldn't touch. And with each of my kids, I watched their struggle with that. The fear, the anxiety, the unwillingness to let go and step into the unknown. But as a parent, I understood that that was the process they had to go through in order to receive the new thing, the skill of learning how to swim. So we don't like change. 
because of how it makes us feel. But how does God feel about change? Well, I learned this week from my friend Katrina that one of God's names in Scripture is El Shaddai, which is most often translated as Almighty God. But the literal, the literal transition of El Shaddai is God the Mountain One. God the Mountain One. Right? It's an image of our God is a God who is strong and unmovable and unchanging like a mountain. Now, you would think that that would indicate that God must hate change then. But I think actually the opposite is true. Because God is so powerful, because he is so unmovable and unchangeable, and his purposes will be accomplished no matter what, that change doesn't bother him a bit. And in fact, it's one of his most effective tools for accomplishing his purposes. This is what enables the Apostle Paul to um, say with confidence in Romans chapter 8, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That our God, the mountain one, can take all manner of change and direct it and shape it and form it to see his purposes accomplished, his purposes accomplished and for our good. Now we see this in Acts um, and in the early church. We've been in Acts for a number of weeks now, and there's so much that we can learn by looking at the early church. And one of the things that stands out to me is how much change is present in the early church. Let me just briefly walk us through it. Imagine sort of church 1.0, and that's the resurrected Jesus with the disciples. You know, they're cruising around. He's making various appearances. It goes on for a period of time. And I'm sure the disciples must have felt like, man, that's, this is awesome. We thought Jesus was dead, but now he's alive again and with us. Let's keep this going. But then, wham, a major change hits. Jesus leaves them and ascends to heaven. And now they are alone without their leader. That's a huge change. But God uses that change to bring the Pentecost, the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And the church explodes into existence in Jerusalem. And the numbers of believers grow daily. God has used that change for good. And the church thrives in Jerusalem. And it's growing and flourishing. And yet, Jesus had said that you are to be my witnesses, not just in Jerusalem, but in Samaria, Judea, and to the ends of of the earth, but the church was stuck in Jerusalem, and so another change hits massive persecution. And the church is scattered throughout the known world. An incredible change. I imagine those believers as they're fleeing the persecution, looking back and saying, I want to go back. Can we just get back to Jerusalem like it once was? But God has a greater purpose. So we had church 1.0 and church 2.0 with the Pentecost, and now it's church 3.0. The gospel spreads throughout the known world. The kingdom grows. Paul's missionary journeys um, see the church planted in places like Philippi and Corinth and Ephesus. Different people groups experience the gospel and respond, and the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile is torn down. And this becomes a witness to the power and love of God's kingdom. 
God's purposes are accomplished. Change is not a problem. And so very often, God is right at the heart of that change through his Holy Spirit. And that's what enabled the early church to adapt to these changes, was the presence of the Holy Spirit. The early believers listened and looked for how the Spirit was moving. And then they followed the Spirit's lead. Boy, have we been in the midst of a lot of change as a church. What's this change been about? Is it possible that God wants to use all of this change to do something new in Baseline? I was remembering that it was not that long ago. It was actually the night of March 1st. When as a church, we gathered on a Sunday evening for a night of renewal, where we sought God through worship and prayer and listening for his voice, for his direction on behalf of our church. And that night we asked the question before the Lord, God, what are the spiritual barriers or strongholds that we are facing as a church that you want to bring breakthrough and new life to us? And as we listen together for God's answer to that question, there were a number of things that people heard that were, um, that were clearly from God. Things like um, barriers of being too comfortable, of being complacent, of being risk adverse, of a lack of trust and um, too strongly wanting to be in control. And Don that night invited us as a congregation to fast and to seek God for breakthrough personally and for our church. That was on March 1st. Less than three weeks later, the statewide quarantine went into effect because of COVID-19, and we experienced an unprecedented level of change. And three and a half months later, we are still in the midst of that process. Now, if you're like me, you may have found yourself at some point along the way over the last three and a half months Thinking, I just want things to go back to the way they were. But I have to tell you, as the spiritual leaders of the church have gathered and talked and prayed and discerned together, there is a strong sense that God is at work in the midst of this change. And he is wanting to do a new thing in us. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that God uh, intended COVID-19 for the sake of baseline. But what I am saying is that I think God in his sovereign power knew COVID-19 was coming. And he stirred in our hearts as a church to begin to seek him and open ourselves to God bringing change and renewal so that we are ready to receive the new thing that he wants to bring through this season. So we are not going back. We are working hard to open up the campus in the coming weeks so that we can have a service in person for those who are able to come. But that is not a step back to what we were or what Sunday used to feel like. It just can't be that. When we open up the campus, we're going to be meeting outside instead of the sanctuary. We're going to be spread out across the lawn in family groups under uh, easy ups, um, not sitting next to each other in chairs. We are going to be wearing face masks to be responsible citizens and not wanting to um, 
uh, infect anyone if we so happen to be carrying the virus and don't know it. And a number of our congregation won't be able to join us outside and we'll be worshiping from home. We are not going back. We are stepping in to something new. But we are in the wilderness right now. We don't know what that new thing is going to look like. We're trying to figure it out and find our way forward. Like the Israelites in the wilderness, we're looking to the, uh, the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day of God's presence and listening for the direction of his Holy Spirit. So pray for us and pray with us that we would be able to discern well what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. I know there is a promised land waiting for us as a church. There is something new that we can't even fully picture or imagine that we are becoming as long as we continue to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. As I close, let me share a final thought. There's another reason that God, I think, um, loves change and how he likes to use change. And it's this, in our seasons of disorientation, and internal dissonance. Those are the seasons that God is able to do his deepest work of transformation in our own lives, if we will let him. It's when things are stable and comfortable that we're most inclined to kind of trust in ourselves and sort of keep the status quo. But it's when we are gently forced to let go of the side of the pool and we find ourselves in uncharted waters that we find ourselves needing to depend on God like never before. And so if that's you, if you feel like your hands have been torn away from the edge of the pool and you're feeling anxious or afraid or angry, remember that El Shaddai is the greatest swim instructor of all time. He is in the pool with you and his strong, unmovable, unchanging hands have a firm grip on you. We will get through this, and we will be different on the other side. And in the kingdom of God, that is always a really good thing. Let me pray for us. God, I simply ask that you would make us even more so into a church whose motto is Baseline Community Church gently embracing change as the Holy Spirit leads. May that be who we become more fully as a result of this season. And may you do that in our lives, that we would come out the other side of this, transformed to look more like you, Jesus. Come Holy Spirit, we can't do this alone. Thank you for your grace. We love you, Jesus. Amen.